to you. This is the Friday Five here on the Agent Survival Guide podcast. It's our weekly list of five things you should know about, and I'm your host, Sarah Rupel. Lots of movement this week, so let's start with the one that is first and foremost on our minds, the 2023 rate announcement from CMS. On Monday this week, CMS published their 159-page advance notice, including Medicare Advantage capitation rates and Part C and Part D payment policies. And just to quickly define capitation rate, that is the fixed amount of money paid from a provider to an insurer, sometimes also referred to as a capitation fee. We covered the estimates from the 2023 advance notice, and those numbers weren't too far off from what came across in the official rate announcement. The effective growth rate was slightly higher than the estimated 4.75% at 4.88%. Rebasing or repricing came in at a 0.39% increase. We're looking at a 0.54% increase in star ratings. Normalization is down 0.81%, same as the advance notice, and the MA risk score trend increased by 3.5%, again, same as the advance notice. So adding together those increases that I just mentioned, the increases to the growth rate and rebasing from the advance notice to this official rate announcement the expected average change in revenue is up 8.5%. Not too much of a change there from what we expected. I think that falls pretty squarely in with what Craig had mentioned during his State of the Senior Market this year when he was talking about the rates. As far as risk adjustment goes, Part C looks to be sticking with the same methodology as they have for the past three coverage years. They did take comments on adding in social determinants of health to the risk model, but state that those adjustments would be considered for future policy making. Risk adjustment for PACE will also stay the same, relying on the same coverage models that have been in effect for the past three coverage years. One of those has been in effect since coverage year 2019, so again, nothing changing there. For Part C ESRD risk adjustment, CMS announced they are finalizing the revised risk adjustment model, calibrating it with more recent data, and also factoring in MA risk adjustment models. It will incorporate revised segmentation and clinical updates from the Part C CMS HCC model to map the cost patterns of ESRD beneficiaries. There were a few other updates to risk adjustment policies. These were just the ones that jumped out at me the most as I read over the fact sheet from CMS. I did take note in several places where CMS mentioned that because of how utilization was so sporadic in 2020, that risk scores calculated with that data would result in anomalies. So that is part of the reasoning for at least some of the risk adjustment models remaining the same and future policymaking working with the comments submitted to CMS earlier this year. And last but not least, there was a section on star ratings, 
explaining some of the updates being made for this year's calculations, as well as mentioning comments received on several areas on which CMS requested feedback. The advance notice set a date of June 30, 2022, as the deadline for contracts to make requests for their star ratings to be reviewed. If you want to read more about what's changing for star rating calculations, that all starts on page 89 of the rate announcement. And really, this is just scratching the surface of the information included in the rate announcement. So if there's anything that you'd like information about or clarification on, please reach out to us. We will be linking to the fact sheet and the full coverage year 2023 rate announcement PDF in our notes. Number two, let's move from Medicare over to the marketplaces to talk ACA. On Tuesday this week, the Biden administration announced that they plan to make an adjustment to the Affordable Care Act that would address something called the family glitch. To put it simply, the family glitch is part of the Affordable Care Act legislation that allows individuals to qualify for a subsidy if their employer coverage cost goes above a certain threshold, 9.83% of that individual's household income. The glitch part comes in because the threshold of affordability, that 9.83% of household income, is based on the cost to insure the employee alone, not the premium required to cover any dependents as well. So an employee who can purchase insurance for themselves at a cost threshold lower than 9.83%, that's considered to be a fair offer. But if that employee needs to cover their whole family, the cost of insuring the entire family, dependents, spouses, that number that's usually higher than what an individual would pay, that number is not considered currently. So it creates a gap of coverage based on the individual insurance coverage cost being used to determine subsidy eligibility for an individual or their entire family. And like I said, if you have health insurance, you know that the cost only goes up as you add family members. Interestingly enough, the Obama administration took the conservative interpretation of subsidy eligibility. But what we're looking at now is that this could very well be remedied through an administrative action. Now, the Kaiser Family Foundation took a look at how many people fall into this eligibility glitch, finding that 5.1 million people are affected by it. 85% of that group, 4.4 million people, are currently enrolled and said to be dependent on their employer-sponsored health insurance. So while, yes, that large group of people does have coverage, they fall into the glitch and could be saving money on their coverage. Lots of talk around that in the news this week. We will be linking to the study I just mentioned, as well as a few other articles. And this is certainly something we will be keeping an eye on and reporting back on, hopefully on a proposal followed by official legislation. Special shout out to our under 65 ACA sales specialist, Danny Stover, for sending the heads up over to our editor, Roxanne Anderson, who then sent this over to me. Special thanks to the both of you. And when I say the Agent Survival Guide team here on the podcast, 
I do mean team. It really is a group effort to put out these podcast episodes. Number three, in addition to working to correct the ACA family glitch, the Biden administration announced plans to hopefully increase the lackluster enrollment in a National Institutes of Health study on long COVID. The NIH received $1.2 billion to complete the study and had hoped to enroll 40,000 participants. But as of March 18th, they had only made it 3% of the way to that goal. That is a relatively small study group of about 1,200 participants. Part of the problem patients and other experts have had with the study so far is that it has largely focused on observation rather than testing treatments. Critics suggested a few different paths forward, one of which a task force that would be responsible for managing research efforts through federal agencies. The Biden administration announced that they would work to create such an effort, with HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra leading the charge. Also announced, an effort to boost enrollment in the study, but no details so far as to what that strategy would look like right now. Number four, Google Maps is adding to its already robust navigation app with a handful of new features, some of which will be exclusive to Apple devices. First up, estimated toll price for a route, which is huge because so many turnpikes and tolled routes now bill you by license plate. At least that is how it works here in Pennsylvania on the turnpike. So that's a nice feature to have in addition to, of course, being able to choose a route that does not include tolls. They will be adding more street-level information to your route, like stoplights and stop signs, another helpful addition, especially when traveling in unfamiliar residential areas. Google Maps on iPhone will also get an update, including a new home screen widget that I might have to download. I have a tendency to start a route just to double-check traffic and my arrival time, but apparently if I pin a trip into the Go tab on the widget, I'll be able to see that estimated arrival time. So that's pretty cool. Also, quick reminder, not too long ago, we published an Agent Apps episode on navigation apps. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly recommend checking it out. Tina looked at map.me and Waze in that episode, so you can also give that a listen if you're in the market for a new option. We will make sure that's in the notes. Number five, if you've been on Twitter at any point over the past few years, you likely know that Elon Musk, founder of Tesla and SpaceX, has a pretty prominent presence there. And if you're up on the news or pay attention to stocks, well, you likely know that he's gotten himself into some hot water with some of his tweets and what those tweets tend to do to the stock market. On Monday this week, Elon Musk announced that he had spent the last month acquiring stock in Twitter and is now its largest individual shareholder. Then on Tuesday, CEO Parag Agrawal announced Musk now has a seat on Twitter's board. So what does that mean for the future of Twitter? Well, 
It could explain those cryptic tweets Musk was making earlier this month about wanting to build his own social media platform. I mean, I can't say those particular tweets weren't interesting, because who knows what the next big social media platform will look like, or who will be at the helm of it, for that matter. But like I said, it's an interesting development and not at all related to the fact that Twitter is working on an edit button. Musk mentioned that in a tweet this week as well, but that edit feature has apparently been in the works for over a year now. And that brings us quite nicely to our editor's pick this week. Tina sent this one over to me earlier this week, so another shout out there. I always appreciate ideas for the Friday Five. Well, today marks the day that the first private mission to the International Space Station is set to take place. One of Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets will carry the crew of four to the ISS for an eight-day stay, where the teams plan to complete 25 experiments over the course of 100 hours. This particular mission is the first of four. Axiom is actually the company behind the mission. They've got plans to build onto an arm of the ISS and then launch themselves free from it when the station is officially retired in 2030. Pretty cool bit of news there. Honestly, it sounds like a plot out of a few of the podcasts I've listened to regarding space. Kind of wild when real-life tech catches up with what we've dreamt up in stories. And that is this week's episode. I hope you have a great weekend. Don't forget to make sure you're following along with us wherever you're listening right now. We appreciate that so much, so thank you for doing that, and thanks for taking the time to listen today. As always, stay healthy and stay safe out there, and we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rupel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru. Artwork by Vivian Zhao.